Don't, don't have 
a pity party for me. Don't don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't don't feel sorry. Don't be discouraged that I'm in jail right now. Don't be discouraged about that. Don't be discouraged that I'm suffering. Don't 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 go down that path. And if you tell us how that's possible, how how can we not feel sorry for ourselves if we're sorry for other people when they're going through some things? How we shouldn't just feel sorry about them? Here's here's why. This is a, a wonderful passage of scripture. Notice what he says here. Before we feel sorry for ourselves, we need to remember to whom you belong. Look at this here, verse one. For this reason, I call the prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now don't, don't miss this. He could have said, I call him in jail because of the Romans. I call him in jail because of the Jewish people. I call him in jail because of you guys. I've been living for you now. But he says this, I call the prisoner of who? Christ, Christ Jesus. Now here's what's interesting. When Paul mentions that he's a prisoner, notice what he says here. I'm going to show you other passages. He says here in Ephesians 4.1, Therefore I, the prisoner of who? The Lord. Notice in 2 Timothy 1.8, he says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, or of me, his wife. Prisoner. I'm his prisoner. Notice in Philemon, Paul, a prisoner of what? Christ Jesus. Every time he mentions he's a prisoner, what does he say? I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I'm his prisoner. Notice this next one, Philemon 9. He says, I am a prisoner of who? Christ Jesus. Here's why. His theology took him above and beyond his present circumstances. I don't miss this. A lot of times we define ourselves by our present circumstances and we forget to whom we belong. Paul never forgot that. He says, I am a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I am going to allow Christ Jesus to define me, not my chains, not my circumstances, not what other people say about me. I belong to Christ. And here's what you ought to think about. Remember this. The next time somebody asks you about your circumstances or how you are, remember who you are first in Christ before you mention what's going on in your life. We're quick to mention what's going on. How are you? Here's what's going on in my life. No, remember who you belong to first. Paul never forgot that. I am a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Here's a penetrating question. Do you allow yourself to be identified by your circumstances or by Christ? And let me tell you something. If we allow ourselves to be identified by our circumstances, we're going to feel sorry for ourselves. Look at me. I'm going through this. Look at me. Can you believe this? Look at me. I come to church all excited about a message and the camera doesn't work. <laughs> Look at me, I'm trying to do this. Look at me, I'm trying to... And we let everything about our circumstances define us. Paul's theology brought him beyond that. He says, I am a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am serving Jesus Christ. I belong to Jesus Christ. Notice the next thing here that's exciting. Remember to whom you belong. Now the next thing. Reflect on the blessings of the gospel. Now, a lot of people like to get on rabbit trails. Uh, Wednesday night, we were, we were studying James, and we started to get on some rabbit trails. It was amazing. We were, we were rabbit trailing all over the place. And finally, I say, back to James. Back to James. Now, did that only happen to us, or did it happen to the Apostle Paul? Are you ready for this? 
He starts off verse 1 by saying, for this reason, and he's going to pray for them. In verse 1, he's all excited. He says, for this reason, Paul, prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of the Gentiles, he's ready to pray for them. But then in verse 2 to verse 13, he goes on a rabbit trail. <laughs> and it's all one sentence in the Greek. And he's like, he's so excited about the mystery of God that we're going to study the Lord that he, he can't get out of his mind. So before he tells him, hey, I'm about to pray for you, and we'll study that Lord will next week in verses 14 and 21, he says, I'm about to pray. And all of a sudden, he goes on a long rabbit trail. And we're going to be here for a long time talking about the I mean, a long one, Amen. but an amazing rabbit trail. I mean, this is amazing. He says, he says yeah, I'm going to talk to you about a mystery. Now, how many of you like mystery movies or mystery books? Let's be honest. I love them. I love them. Not the books, the movies, the short. And I like them if they're one hour long. I don't like these three hours you gotta wait. You know, if I like the one hour boom, we find them. You know, who it was. And I was just watching one yesterday uh, for my devotions. I was watching one. <laughs> you know, I had to study the text. <laughs> and the Gainesville murders. And I've ever said, but it, that was close to, in the early 90s, some of my friends were going to University of Florida, and um, and so what happened there, and some of you know the story, what happened there, five students in the first week of school were killed, murdered, horribly murdered, and they can't find the person, and so they get this 18-year-old kid, and they're like, this is him, this is the one, you know, he's crazy, he's this, he's that, he's the one that murdered him, and they put him up, and put him up, imagine this 18-year-old kid on TV, and they're telling him, and he's the one, everyone's happy, oh, we got him, it wasn't him, who I love murder mysteries, who was it, and then all of a sudden, you study, you study, it goes longer, 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 and then they show a guy that was living in another state that had problems, that came to visit, was living in the woods, hiding from the police, after he shot his father, and then he, he killed the people. Wow, mysteries, there's something else. Now in the Bible, when it talks about mystery, it's not referring to something that's mysterious. <clears throat> it's not like we're waiting to find out, what is this? What is, what is God's mystery? What does he have? He's going to tell us right here in the passage, and we need to understand this before we feel sorry for ourselves. Notice this in verse 2. He says here, If indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you. So Paul says, I am responsible for this mystery. I am a steward of this mystery. I have a responsibility. It's a privilege that we have a mystery. What is this mystery? He's going to tell you in a moment. But I have, I, have, I have a responsibility before God to share this with other people. I'm a steward. I don't make it up. I just give it to other people. Here's what it is. Watch this. The revelation, the reception of the mystery, he says here, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. In other words, he says here in verse 3, I didn't get this because I studied it on my own. I didn't get this because I was taught by somebody else. I got this directly from God. This is important. And he wrote to them about it. We don't have that letter. We don't know where that letter is. But he wrote a brief letter about the mystery. Notice verse 4. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. So we understand that this has to do with Jesus Christ and his work on the cross, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. What is the mystery? Verse 5, he says this. And other generations was not made known to the sons of men. 
And it has now been revealed to his, to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. So a mystery in the Bible, when you see it, Paul wrote it 21 times, six times in Ephesians. A mystery in the Bible is something that was not known back then, but now has been revealed to us. And here's the amazing mystery in verse 6. I love this. To be specific, what does he say? That the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Let's study this verse out. Here, here's what he says. I made you understand the mystery. Something that was not known in the Old Testament. Something that they didn't know about, but now has been revealed. Here it is. Gentiles and Jewish people on equal footing because of Jesus Christ. Amen. Back then, the Jews were up here, the Gentiles were dogs, the Jewish people were God's people. Now, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we are all on equal footing. It's amazing when we think about it. You say, what is the, what is the mystery? Look at verse 6. We are fellow heirs. You know what that means? That means that we are both waiting for an inheritance, once a Jewish person or once a, a, a Gentile puts their faith in Jesus Christ, we both have this inheritance. We are both waiting for heaven. We are both waiting for the best is yet to come. That's what he's saying in verse 6. He's saying the moment we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we have an inheritance waiting for us. We have, we have this amazing thing where we have the best is yet. How can you feel sorry for me when we put our trust in Jesus Christ and the best is yet to come? Not only that, we are fellow members. We are never alone. We are, we are attached to the head, which is Jesus Christ, and we are connected to one another. He says we are fellow members of the body, and this is amazing. We are fellow partakers of the what? Promises. Now some people say, what's the promise here? Now we can talk about all the different promises out there, but you know what he promised in the Old Testament? He promised the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you something. It is amazing to be in Jesus Christ, but one of the best blessings of being in Jesus Christ is the fact that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Amen. You say, wait a minute, what's so, what's so important about the Holy Spirit? Well, notice what Jonathan Edwards once wrote. He says, the Holy Spirit illumines our Savior's face. We see Jesus better than ever because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit puts Abba Father in our hearts. We cry out to God in our mouths. And we say, Abba Father to our Lord. We call Him Daddy because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, notice this here. The Holy Spirit plants heaven in our hearts. How do we know we're guaranteed to get to heaven because we have the deposit the Holy Spirit inside of us. He says this, we are fellow partakers of the promise. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Let me tell you this. There is no love. There is no joy. There is no peace, no patience, no kindness, no goodness, no faithfulness, no gentleness, no self-control without the Holy Spirit. And yet, we don't realize that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. He says, I don't want you to feel sorry for me. He says, you understand that we understand the mystery of, 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 of Christ and what Christ has done. And because of that, we are fellow heirs now. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And he says, how is this possible? Notice this passage in verse 6. This is all possible through the what? The gospel. 
This is what makes the gospel so amazing is when we share Jesus Christ with other people and they come to Christ. What happens to them? Now they have heaven guaranteed. Now they're part of the body of Christ. And now they have the Holy Spirit living in them. Amen. Their lives can change because the Holy Spirit is inside them. He said, don't feel sorry for me. He said, how can you feel sorry for me when I have heaven waiting? How can you feel sorry for me when I'm not alone? How can you feel sorry for me when I have the Holy Spirit inside of me? And then he says this in verse 7. When you, when you start to feel sorry for yourself, marvel at God's grace. Watch this. Verse 7. Of which I was made a what? Minister. A minister. I was made a minister. According to the gift of God's grace which was given to me, according to the working of his power. Here's what he says here in this verse. He says, you know what? I was made a slave. I was made a minister to this. I was made a minister of God's grace. And it's a gift. And let me just tell you this. When God gives a gift, it's a privilege. And when God gives a gift, there's a responsibility that goes with that gift. And he says, I have this gift of God's grace that was given to me according to the working of his power. This is what's amazing. I have the power to be able to administrate this gift. And look at verse 8. He says here, to me the very least of all the what? Saints. How many know what the name Paul means? Paul means, anybody know? Paul means, starts with an L, ends with an E. Has an I in it, two T's. And another L. <laughs> Shall I do it again? Paul means what? Little. Least. Nothing. You know this word least in the Greek means he's the least of the least. I mean, it's like lesser than the least. I don't know, I don't even know how you would explain that to people. How are you lesser than the least? He says, I'm the least of this.
He says, wow, this grace was given to me. This grace empowered me. And this grace is amazing. And notice, how would he describe grace? He tells us what grace is. He proclaims it in, in verse 8. To preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. I, I love this. If we ever were defined... God's grace, here is a definition of God's grace, the unfathomable riches of Christ. So let's take it, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. And let me tell you something, when you study Christ, the unfathomable riches, I like how he uses this, it's the word to trap footprints, and you trap the footprints, but you can't find where the thing is. Some of you hunters know that. You look for these little footprints and you kill Bambi. I don't know how you can do that, but you do that. You know what I mean? You care less about little Bambi in the woods there and you think you're controlling the population, a little defenseless thing that has nothing. Boom! You shoot it down, all right? You track it out. But how frustrated do they get when they see the tracks and they can't get them? I love that. And here, it says the unfathomable riches of Christ. We look at the tracks, we study them out, but we just can't comprehend all that God is. And all that Jesus is. But here's what Paul says. My job in verse 8 is to evangelize. That word preach is the word evangelize. It means to share the good news. We get all excited. We share the good news about Ted. We share the good news about Mike. We share the good news when people get healthy. But are we sharing the good news of Jesus Christ? Are we evangelizing? He says, I'm proclaiming Christ. And not only that, verse 9 says, and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery. In other words, he keeps it simple. He clarifies. Some people evangelize and, and people are more confused than ever before. This is what you have to do to go to heaven. You have to do this, that, boom, bop, beep, bop, bop. And people are like, well, really? I got to do all that? How do I get to heaven? So I like the simple ABCs. Don't you like those? Admit you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose again, and commit your trust to him alone. A, B, C. Simple. Instead of complicating the message. He says, my job is not only to preach it, but to clarify it. To bring to light. And he prayed for that in, in Ephesians chapter 1, that God would open the eyes of their hearts so they would see it. What is the administration of the mystery which has been hidden that Gentiles are on equal plane. Now watch this in verse 10. This is an incredible verse. So that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Don't miss this verse. Some people say it's church important. You better believe it is. What happens when we gather together as a church? Look at what happens in verse 10. Here's what happens. Not only is God watching, which is amazing when you think about it, not only is our people on Facebook watching, my mother, which amazes me, I mean, we have things, and then now she's got some of her good friends watching me, and my own, I'm really going to get a spanking when I see her, but I got our good friends. I mean, my mother, she is an advocate for our, for me, I'm unbelievable, she lived here, we have all the fountain in our church, I mean, you got to play around. She talks to her friends, you got to watch it, you got to watch it, what are you doing taking a nap, you got to watch it, you got to watch it. <laughs> That amazes me that she's watching. And then, you know what amazes me? The angels and demons are watching. The angels marvel 
at the fact that people are getting saved. But they never experienced that. It says in the Bible that when someone gets saved, there's a party in heaven. They're rejoicing. The angels are rejoicing when people get saved. The demons, they're trembling at what's going on. They realize that their fate, it's coming. They're in big trouble. They hate everything that we're doing. But they're watching. And here's God's amazing plan, verse 10. He uses the church to display his wisdom to the universe. Think about that for a moment. That when we preach Christ, when we come together, when we worship together, when we exalt the Lord Jesus Christ, when we make church about Jesus Christ and not ourselves, when we're living for the Lord Jesus Christ, the universe is watching and seeing the very wisdom of God. When people from all different races and backgrounds and religions come to Jesus Christ, they marvel, they show the very wisdom of God to all the world. Wow. He says, I'm a preacher that... Don't feel sorry for me. I clarify that, and not only that, in verse 10, this is, the church is an amazing thing. Because the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places are watching. Somebody says, but Jeremy, that doesn't help me out too much. Look at verse 11. He said, this was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's saying, even in the Old Testament, God had a plan. He was going to send his son. Even in the Old Testament, he knew that one day the son would come. In the New Testament, he knew that he would come, he would die on the cross. He knew God had it all planned out that Jews and Gentiles would be together in the church that would become the dwelling place of God to display the wisdom of God. God had it all planned out before the foundation of the world. Wow. God had us here to get all planned out before the foundation of the world. You figure it out. Like, that doesn't blow your mind. That is amazing to think about. He said, this is accordance with eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus. And here's the benefits for us. Here's Paul in jail telling him, don't feel sorry for me. Don't feel sorry for me. I, I know who I belong to. I'm reflecting on the blessings of the gospel. I marvel at God's grace. I'm proclaiming the gospel. But notice this here in verse 12. We can draw near to God in prayer, in whom we have, look at that word, boldness. You know what that word means? <clears throat> freedom of speech. Amen. And some people all worry that freedom of speech is going to be taken away. Are they going to take away our freedom of it? They could never, ever take away the freedom of speech we have with our God. Amen. No matter what, they can change all the laws they want. We can still freely speak to God. And be open and honest with them. And not these canned prayers. we got to be careful with that. Sometimes we get a rut in our prayers. And we get in these canned prayers. Be careful with those. When we approach God, we have complete freedom just to open up our hearts and minds to Him. And to speak to Him. And notice this. Not only that, we have confident access to Him. How does that happen? Through the very blood of Jesus Christ, we have confident access to Him. We don't have to be scared to go sit and talk to Him or, or to be with Him. We just have this confident access. Why? Because of Jesus Christ, not because of ourselves. He says, don't, don't feel sorry. You're feeling sorry for me? When I can go before God and freely talk to Him, I may be living.
didn't change. But I can freely, and I have this confident access to God, and so do you, through Jesus Christ. <coughs> through faith in Him. What a wonderful thing. And then he says this, Therefore I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your what? Glory. I read something this morning that really got me. Somebody said this, The value we place on something determines the hardship we are willing to face for it. Why do you think about that for a moment? The value we place on something determines how much we are willing to endure for it. Think about the value we place on our bodies and how much we're willing to endure all we can. We go on these diets, whatever, all to make it better. We work out, we do all these things to make it better. We, we, we value it. The value we put on our children, and we do all that we can to, to help them and to be there for them. And, and, and we would endure sometimes when they disrespectful. Not our children are never that way, but yeah, disrespectful. Yeah, right. But disrespectful. We endure that life because we love them. We value them. The more we value something, the more we endure it. Do we value the gospel? Do we value our relationship with God? The more we value God and His gospel, the more we are willing to endure things for it. And see, to Paul, his whole life is Christ and Him crucified. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He valued Christ so much in his relationship with Christ that being in prison chain meant nothing to him. He's willing to endure everything. He said, don't feel sorry for me. My life is okay. I remember a, a, a lady that was in our dorm and I told this story before me. This always comes to mind when I think about it with her. She would, she lived downstairs and she would have to walk downstairs and upstairs to get there and her legs was so bad that she would grunt as she was walking up and grunt as she was walking down. And I would hear, oh, 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 oh. They would have to break her legs to help them to get better. And they never did. And I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, Jeremy, if I didn't have this situation in my life, I don't know that I'd be close to God like I am right now. She valued her relationship with God more than she did her own physical health. And yet, how many people do we know feel sorry for themselves because they get a flat tire? <clears throat> or something isn't working the way they want it to work? Or something really small goes on in their lives and they can't take it anymore. They're done with this, they're done with that, they're done with this. When we value Christ and His gospel, whatever comes into our lives, it really doesn't matter. Because he's supreme. And when we value souls, we take our eyes off ourselves and we just imagine what God can do in their lives through the preaching of the gospel. And things change. And instead of crying the blues and feeling sorry for yourself and throwing a pity party and no one comes, because no one will come to a pity party, only yourself, you think about who Jesus is. And we think about the wonderful privilege we have to minister His grace to other people. That's a life. So the question is, 
Is there any reason for you to feel sorry for yourself? Hey, Jeremy, yeah, I know what I'm going through. Jeremy, yeah, I don't understand what I'm going through. I don't understand everything that you're going through. God does. But if you're a believer here, I can tell you this, the best is yet to come. I can tell you this, you're not alone. You're connected to the head and to the body. And I can tell you this, you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. And He can produce joy, love, peace, and that other word, patience, in your life. Because that's the promise that we have. I can tell you this, you have complete, this is amazing, you have complete boldness to go to Him in boldness, and you have confidence, access to Him, you can go to Him at any time in prayer because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So I'm sorry that I don't feel sorry for you. <laughs> because we have a lot more than we're thankful for. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, it's so easy, Lord. I, I think of my own life that things don't go our way to throw a pity party and to start to feel sorry for ourselves. And we imagine the world should go a certain way and when it doesn't, we start to shake our fist at you instead of reflecting and marveling at your wonderful grace in our lives. Who are we that you would ever even save us? Who are we that you would ever even use us in your ministry? Who are we to complain the way we do about life's trials? Father, I pray this morning that we would learn to value you and value the gospel more than we value the things of this world. That we would make them precious to us. And, and, and Lord, as we value them, no matter what happens to our lives, we're willing to endure it because we understand we belong to the King. Amen. And that the gospel can change lives in ways that we can't even imagine or think. So Father, we pray that you work through our lives. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here this morning feeling sorry for themselves. That they would reflect on these truths that the best is yet to come. That they're not alone. They're connected to the, to the head that's Jesus Christ. And they're connected to the body of believers. And that they have the very spirit of you living inside of them. And they're never alone. He's our helper. He's our advocate. He's the one that regenerates and gives life. He's the one that produces love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in our lives. He's the one, Lord, that is grieved when we sin and complain against you. And he's the one that comforts when we're in trouble and in situations that we don't even have. We're lost for words. So thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for today. We pray in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen.